Mother's Day weekend 2022. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, this is the 48th episode of the Sup Paul podcast. As I drive across country from the southeast back to the Pacific Northwest, I've stopped in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'm at the home of Peter Hall, the founder of Hall of Paddleboards. In this episode, we're talking with Peter about the origins of Hall of Paddleboards, about chasing rivers on a board, and the future of this sport in general. And given this is Mother's Day weekend, what a perfect opportunity to listen to the voices of Peter's family, his kids, his wife singing, and his dog barking. This is truly a multi-generational conversation. Without further ado, Peter Hall. In this podcast episode, the owner of Hall of Paddleboards, Peter Hall. Welcome. Thanks, Paul. Glad to be on the uh, the Sub Paul podcast. And I'm thank you so much for inviting me into your home. For sure. We're in your office built with reclaimed barn doors, garage doors, pictures of you running gnarly whitewater in Japan, family photos, lots of smiles, guitars, harmonicas. Thank you for letting me be in your house. For sure. Big welcome, man. Glad <laughs> to have you come through. In this, in this episode, we're going to have some flashback moments. Uh, we're going to go over some history, both as, uh, as us and, and as you as a, as a designer for a paddleboard company, and also the present. Can we talk about that river we did today? Sure, the Elk. The Elk River outside of Steamboat Springs, continuous class two plus three, fun, know your lines type of whitewater, just you and me today in this beautiful, we determined that 1600 CFS is like, uh, yeah. is the great, uh, is the great, great level. level for that. And yesterday I was on the town run in, on the Yampa in Steamboat with dozens of people on the river, paddleboarders and whatnot. And of course, we're in Steamboat Springs. Do we see any other brand? Than yours, you see your name. Everywhere. You were running with the uh, a biased crew at very least. Well, it was yeah. definitely running with a biased crew. <laughs> or a bunch of staff. A bunch of staff, but every car you see that has a paddleboard in town has a holla. Every board that you see on the river, for the most part, is a holla. So I mean, I mean, welcome home. Yep, the Yampa town stretch through Steamboat is just a paddleboarding dream. It's so it's so much fun, and it's so playful and usually forgiving but also progressively it, it'll push your limits further and further you go down the the river it's really fun and you told me today you were thinking of the yampa when you created hollow paddleboards well yeah it's the first it was my you know the the first stretch that i really just kept doing over and over and over and over and take different lines and try different things and so always pushing the limits on my home stretch there for sure and then you know depending on the time of year the upper colorado um, and there's some great stretches up in the upper Colorado as well, like Pump House Down, stuff like that. 2022 marks the official 10th year anniversary of Hollow Paddleboards. Yeah. You were designing and building before then. Mm-hmm. But for 10 years, Hollow has been available to the, the general public. That's right. Yeah. So, that's an exciting milestone. <laughs> Congratulations, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> um, and not going as far back as 10 years yet, but uh, let's go about uh, eight or nine years. 2013, I discovered river paddleboarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, before then, I thought paddleboarding was kind of dumb until I was told and it was demonstrated that you could put gear on a board and go. Go across the lake, hike it into the alpine. Uh, 
And if you live in Central Oregon, like I did at the time, if you're going to do a multi-day trip, it's going to be on a river. So I had to learn rivers really quick. I'm a paddleboarder on rivers. I wouldn't be a paddleboarder if it wasn't for the rivers. But anyway, I'm going to keep this a short story. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you remember this, but I had... Uh, didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anybody to show me the river. I was just kind of doing it on my own. And I did uh, a lower to shoots, the hundred miles of the lower to shoots in a 16 hour period on a 12, six board that didn't quite make it the entire thing. I was able to get to the end, but it popped It hit some, 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 uh, some rapids. And I reached out to that manufacturer. I said, this is an amazing board. It's a perfect 12, six. You could do all uh, rivers. And they're like, look, look in the, <laughs> you have your daughter speaking through the corner. Yes, yep. he's sliding back one of the many doors that my office is made out of the middle Do you want to say garage. hi? That's Stella. How old are you, Stella? Seven. Seven. What do you like to do for fun? What was the last fun thing you did? Going on the river with her dad is what her answer was. What did we do? <laughs> yeah, we did. We took, we went through the steamboat town, stretched the upper parts of it, uh, double ducky. You can come in and sit down if you want, but I'm going to continue on the with this. So again, I reached out to the manufacturer. I said, this is a board that you should be marketing for the rivers because I did 100 miles in 16 hours. It was great. It was fantastic for like an epic trip. And they're like, read the small print. These aren't for rivers. A couple of months later, I'd done a photo shoot with the Yoga Slackers. They had just met you at an outdoor retail trade show. Mm -hmm. They had your original Atcha. I took some photos of them. I reached out to you to maybe sell some photos or whatever. I told you about that trip and you're like, you know, that's what I do, right, is make <laughs> paddle boards for rivers and our relationship has been ever since. Yeah. Now, it's it's been exciting because you've been able to bring the visual storytelling that's necessary to a sport where um, I was mostly losing GoPros and or not producing much content except for excitement to put more people on the river. So, it's a lot easier to Show them what they can do when you can actually show them a picture in a really high quality video. And I've been fortunate to be able to, to travel along in so many places with your vehicle as my 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 way of transport. Both the van that I drive has your name on it <laughs> and, the, and the paddle boards that I run rivers with in the Pacific Northwest, in the Southeast, here in Colorado, in Canada, in Japan, New Zealand, Europe. River paddle boarding is taking hold finally, I think. It looks like it. In 2013, when I reached out to you, what were, what was going on in your mind? What did you think paddleboarding had? A, did it did river paddleboarding have a future, or was it just you and your friends on the water? There, when I started it, there were not a lot of people doing it at all. Um, I didn't know any people doing it, but I knew I wasn't the only one. And we just decided, like, I just wanted better toys to go down the river with and um, something that wasn't uh, as committing as a kayak feels to me. And I learned to surf in college and I learned to kayak in college and mixing those two together seemed like a pretty interesting proposition. Was paddleboarding for you to surf or was it to run down the rivers? Both, but just see what you could do because you had the ideas of you know, play boating and that's surfing, but that's on the way down the river a lot of the time too. All the families coming in. Hey, puppy. Hey, Yodi, what are you doing, dude? And who's this other one? That's Landy. Hi, Landy. Can What's you say hi? Landy, and you hi. say hi on the microphone? <laughs> Landy is short for Highland. Hi. Hi. How old are you, Landy? Four months old. Months? Four years. Can I try and talk? You are talking. You can say anything that you like. 
grab his microphone and say anything you want. And what are we emphasizing hello. here? Hello, hello, <laughs> Whether we edit that or not, I don't know. But uh, what, uh, what, what? The many things that Peter is is an innovator, an athlete, a musician, and a family man. And being in his home, I get to witness all of it. Is that is that Anna singing? She's playing right now. You could probably go sneak and try and hear her. We're, we're going to take a, a quick break to listen to some family music from the storytelling. Can I record her? I am westward on a rolling track But you're cold steam on my back Down my time paid, I played the fool I made my mind up on loving you I'm like, can you see, like, Yodi's, like, got his butt on my leg, like, Landy's, like, jumping off the couch. Honestly, this is my first live podcast. Usually, I'm in a quiet spot. Usually, I'm talking to people either on Zoom calls or uh, other types of phone calls or other types of virtual reality. So, face-to-face conversations is new. And I'm in... I'm encouraging and incorporating all the, the different voices. So we heard your wife play guitar and sing, and we've heard your daughters talk and your dog bark. Um, but let's go back to a little bit about the, the that's the present uh-huh. of running Whitewater, of, of being a family man, of, of creating a paddleboard company. But go, let's go back to, you know, 10, 11 years ago when you were, you were so inclined to build a paddleboard company. Why build, <laughs> why build a paddleboard company in the first place? Uh, there are a lot of reasons why I sh- probably shouldn't have um, built one. Also, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know to get started, and it's not been very easy because you're supposed to start with a bunch of money and uh, <laughs> and like a huge plan. And my plan was like, hey, I'll I'll make some boards that are fun and try and sell them. <laughs> um, and I was able to do that. Um, hold on, Land. You're distracting me. Yeah, you are. You're messing with all the stuff. You want to zoom upstairs? Close the door, please. Okay. Thanks, Landy. Have fun. So where was I? You were trying to balance life with play and build a business. We're back ten plus years ago when you're deciding on building a paddleboard company. So I was playing in a band, and I, um, through various travels, I'd run into a bit of paddleboarding, but there wasn't a lot going on. In Steamboat, that's for sure. Um, it just started to arrive here, I guess. But I had my inflatable paddleboard that I got from Costco. And I was taking that down whitewater that I used to run in my kayak. It wasn't performing, but it was really fun. And it was super involved. I used to also just like go swim the river. Like I used to do uh, river boarding where you would, you know, it's like a boogie board with spots for your forearms and you can go down, you know, I used to do all this funny stuff to go down the river. Just be in the water. No matter just be what. in the water. And so this is cool because you can be in the water, you're swimming, you're on your board, you're just having fun. So uh, I wanted stuff to do that better. And I was really obsessed also like with a kayak paddle because I came from a kayaking background and I wanted to be able to have more control on my knees, especially because I was doing white water that I probably shouldn't really have been doing. Like, well, I don't know who's to say, but uh, and so when it got challenging, I'd take a few strokes from the knees, recover, and then I'd get back up. Um, and so I, I chased down making that butter knife paddle, which 
um, has a place in a lot of scenarios. I only use it for like multi-day things when I'm going to have like a board with gear on it. Your first product was a double-bladed paddle. Paddleboard paddle called a, a butter knife. But called the butter knife and a six-inch thick uh, paddleboard called the Haas. That's what I made. Those are the first two things. Just a big old board and a paddle that lets you kayak from your knees, which is not stand-up paddleboarding. And it's an easy thing to hate on, but it it's like I did a I, – I had 17 miles to do one night and um, to get to the place I was camping, and I was on a solo paddleboard mission, and I had such crazy headwinds, and I had a butter knife with me, and I sat down on my board, and I just casually kept paddling towards my destination. And so, like, it has its place. I used to use it in whitewater a lot more, and now I don't. Um, because I don't really find it to be necessary. Paddleboarding was so new that the strokes that I use now, no <laughs> one, like there wasn't, a, there weren't a lot of people that even had come up with that, the strokes yet of what to do in whitewater with your paddle. So we were making a bunch of stuff up that some of which is still being, you know, used today. Making stuff up, exploring when you don't have, when all you have is the question, can it be done? Yeah. And you go out into the wilderness to to answer that question on your own. And you took it another step further. Like, you're like, well, can I design the equipment to do it? Yeah. And to do it the way I wanted to do it, because that wasn't the way everyone wanted to do it. Um, and there weren't that many everyone's as we were talking about. It was like <laughs> Charlie MacArthur, who I had learned about after the fact, after starting the business, I didn't know who he was until later. Charlie was on my podcast and he went over the, the history of paddleboarding in the United States, basically. Uh -huh. And he was influential both in the ocean in Hawaii and bringing it to Colorado as early as 2003, 2004. But on like epoxy ocean surfboards. <laughs> totally, totally. And that and that, that never, it was never something I'd ever even heard of. Um, just sort of in my own lane doing my own thing. Um, but then realizing that it was a, it becoming a sport pretty quickly and there were going to be a lot of competitors in this business. And I launched with like just gusto, just being <laughs> like, cool, I got like four boards and four paddles and I'm going to, and I went to the CKS Paddle Fest because I had been playing with my band of benefits for CKS, the river park for years. So I knew Earl and I knew Bobby and the team over at CKS. So um, when I told them I was starting a paddleboard company, they're like, well, you can come to Paddle Fest. And their Badfish was launching their, like they were, that was their big mm -hmm. sort of brand launch as well, as it turned out. And this is uh, 2012. And, but they had just been invested in by Boardworks. So they came with like very good graphic design and like some gusto that I didn't have <laughs> in terms of like monetized marketing. You know, I just had the excitement part of that. Um, <laughs> and I know that no, I just sort of emerged out of nowhere um, onto a scene that I didn't know existed. And that was read and run. <laughs> <laughs> and now you drive in a, a community in Steamboat where I've already mentioned that uh, if there's a paddleboard on someone's car, it's going to be your name. Uh, the, the name Halla as a paddleboard company, your name is Peter Hall. Clearly, mm -hmm. there's an influence there. What does Halla mean? Halla, you know, we were, I, I started making gear before I had a name for the company and when went through a lot of different things. When it came to Halla, we were like, Holla, hall, hey, hall, hey, holla. All right, that makes sense. And it's like, holla, holla. You know, that's it. 
it just felt like that could uh-huh, be a brand name. Uh-huh. And, and people relate to it. it there's a, there's an element to it. And your first couple of boards were a Hala Haas and a, a Hala straight up. When did and the it, fun names begin? I'm not, not saying those aren't the fun. The pun names. The pun names. Yeah. Well, the Haas and then it was actually the Haas BT because like the Haas was Big like time. the narrower and the BT was the bigger one. And then we realized we spent a lot of time just telling the difference between two Haases. So, made it straight up. Then we made... Um, after that, was the Atcha the first NAS, or the NAS? The Hala NAS. The Na- the Atcha came before the NAS. Okay. Um, Hala Atcha. The Hala Atcha, which is just like, how small can you make the Haas and still be navigable craft? And what features do you want? And there were so many different possibilities for that. And I would make these prototypes that were exaggerated to understand what is a shape really feel like what does an exaggeration here feel like when it moves through the rapid when I'm standing on top of it like I didn't I had to learn a bunch of people might think they could assume what it does but I made a bunch of goofy weird stuff to exaggerate features to understand where I wanted my inputs to be and just narrowing it down centimeter to centimeter you know but my first boards you know I drew them and then my wife helped me draw them better because I'm a <laughs> shit drawer and then got them digitized um so to speak. (laughs) And then I started learning. I taught myself Adobe Illustrator, which is then useful in continuing to communicate that stuff. Um, Solidly mediocre at it still. Uh, Just enough to communicate. (laughs) Uh, And then you started building a team. You built boards to go hang out on the water by yourself and with friends. And then, okay, I'm building these boards. I have to build a staff and a team and all of the, the ways that a company is built. Totally. Would you have suspected 10 years later you have hollow paddle boards as what it is today? I don't, I didn't know what to expect. Like, I, I would believe it would be where it is now. I could also have believed that I would have evaporated by now. I could also believe that like there could have been some rocket launch moment that I missed by not being able to find any money to run the business. Um, so there, it could have landed anywhere and it still could, <laughs> but, uh, the, the fun thing that I found that if you keep your eyes on trying to at least do as much towards like making the cus- the customer side of it work and then work towards stabilizing it along the way, that's the best I've been able to do. And, um, it's been exciting. A challenge and difficult and ups and downs. It's basically running rivers. I can't imagine the, the stresses and the difficulties of, of running a company. I just get to tell the, the pretty stories. <laughs> you definitely sort of have to cauterize your nerves a little bit um, because you're going to make it work. You're going to make it work. You've got to make it work. It's That's right. And using the, the running of a river as a metaphor, it's like, yeah, you've got to make it work. You've got to make it work. And you're going to fight it along the way or you're going to, to let it do what it needs to and adapt. Yeah, that. So the puns. The the puns. The holla name puns. Uh-huh. We've got... Holla the, at you. Holla ass. Holla pino. Holla fame. Hologram. Yeah, there's... went away. The, the hologram went away. The holidays was one of my favorite boards. Holidays. Certainly one of my favorite names. I like both of those. I want to bring the gram back. I, that, I have one tucked away that I still use because it's so fun. <laughs> um, but then we have the milligram, um, which is the smaller version, which is better river surfer, which is why we continue making it. And the gram 
Uh, might have been ahead of its time. Maybe we'll bring it back someday. Hopefully, because it was a perfect ocean surfboard, I, I thought. I thought so too. It's so much fun. How many emails and phone calls and people reaching out, offering name suggestions? How many <laughs> phone calls and emails, people offering suggestions for, oh, I've got this great design. Let's let's collaborate and do all of this. Like, how, how, can, you, how do, can you handle all those communications of someone wanting to offer something to you? People have been, yeah. Ever since I uh, showed up at a trade show, someone's been pitching me something, you know, yourself included, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, I want to, I want to do this trip through Baja, Baja, Alaska, Panama, whatever. Um, and yeah, I don't mind. Good. I don't mind being solicited for stuff because if uh, if you can align people's what what you want and they want, be on the same team towards something, you, you can usually make it work. We. Whenever someone has an idea about what a board should or shouldn't be or a fin or a paddle, I I love that. I'm not the only one with ideas around here. That's for damn sure. And um, a lot of the evolution of the Acha especially has been related to the team and the team's uh, input and how it feels under their feet. And the, the, fine, the, the Acha we're on right now came from honing shape after shape after shape after shape and getting it down to like four different, like conceptually different boards that were not that different. And they all looked the same color, uh, same colorways. But these four boards were like the last possible winning shapes. And we had a bunch of team riders run Shoshone over and over. Uh, and all it just said one, two, three, or four on the board. And you had to blind vote. And, and the, the one that won, everybody voted for this one. And if you looked at them in a the lineup, you could not quite even – like a lot of times you're like, are those different at all? But you could <laughs> feel it. That was a nice culmination of like years of just micro tweaking little things. And it – simple is hard. And now – and it's so easy to reduce a board shape to just like, yeah, but they just fucking did that. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it looks like an egg with like <laughs> – it's side shaved off. I could make that. But the the nuance to it was harder to come by. It's probably easier to steal or 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 take inspiration from or whatever. But to get there was hard. And the simplicity of the design, hopefully, is also felt in the way it responds and performs. You know, it's it becomes intuitive then. The Halacha nine six is typically the one board that I always keep inflated. But you have eighteen boards in your lineup right now. Why do you have so many boards from all water boards to carbon specific touring boards to ocean boards to river boards? Why, why wouldn't it make, wouldn't life be easier if you only had like five boards? There are a lot of consultants that would say stuff like that as well. <laughs> Each board has its own thesis. Each board has its own performance. Granted, not a lot of people would end up in some of the more technical or fringe boards, but that's also where all, you know, all your, R&D comes from, you You can make something perform in a certain environment and then you can be like, okay, now I've got the performance characteristics nailed and I bring that into a simpler design for a simpler use case, but it's still informed by the highest and best use. I'm looking at a photo of you running a rapid in Japan with the hallelujah. What another great name for <laughs> Dude, a board. The hallelujah. The hallelujah. Yeah. A double stacked uh, board for running whitewater, which is certainly the influence of the the new series of the double stack boards, the jalapeno and the jalapeno. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And this one, you know, has the rails going out instead of the rails coming in. Um, and it's meant for hitting, you know, big white water. Uh, but that board, I didn't ever 
like end up really wanting to need it after a while. <laughs> like I just keep running the Atcha 86 and figure out how to keep it under my feet. And, and, um, that board also was developed, um, at a time when we were having like, we had a couple really, really, really big runoff years and we need something different than what's out there now. Yeah. And actually, you know, in a similar time frame, bad fish came out with like a big old, like front loaded board like that as well. I think one of the early rivers. Looks shreds. like a whitewater kayak. Yeah. And so, um, I think probably both brands or like design teams were responding to environmental conditions mm-hmm. that were saying like, whitewater is big right now and we want some boats that'll push through it. Some and boards. you were doing it with inflatable technology, <clears throat> drop stitch, they were doing it in, in glass, in exactly. epoxy, in foam. Exactly. But you don't, and I think there's probably room for that design to evolve and become, become a, a relevant concept again. But, um, we don't need a 19th board yet. <laughs> and we didn't mention this name, which I think is probably the best name in your lineup is the Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. The Colorado. <laughs> of course. And the Colorado. Uh, the Colorado. How do you pronounce Colorado? Colorado. 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 So, so the Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, however you say it, that name Colorado and the sea and the flag and and your name in combination for a river touring board is designed for moving water with retractable fin gear tie downs. Everyone I meet knows Colorado as the West. They don't know Oregon. They don't know whatever. Colorado is the West. So incorporating that Colorado flag on the rails of your boards and 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 associating with this state, the state where undeniably river paddleboarding began. Uh, that's that's a great name. I'm glad you like it. Thanks. Yeah, we uh we were so often taking the hoss and sort of putting it through those rigors, but didn't have it totally designed towards you know going down river with gear, um, and or just with a, some glide and stability in a rapid. It was all ready to just get into whatever, and I was like, we need to make a board like that Tacoma. And that's where, and it's not like it's that much more anything. It's just purpose oriented. Um, and that's where the Colorado came from. It's finally s- split to give that customer an answer. The board that I keep inflated all time is the 9.6. Uh, I'm relatively short at 5.7. You're relatively tall at 6, what, 2, 3? 6, 2, yeah. And you prefer the smaller boards, the 7.11, the 8.6. Yeah, the 8.6 is really my go to. That's the one I've been. I used as a design. I was always designing eight sixes, and then I'd scale scale it. I just like how responsive it can be under my feet. The mix of like how much you push your board and how much the board or the river pushes it back, and finding the dance between the two of those. I find that sometimes the river can push harder on a bigger board. On the smaller board, there's just a little. There's like it mellows out the leverage. I guess at least that's how it feels to me. Most brands. Are there actually, you tell me, are there any other brands that make a river specific paddleboard that's different than a 9.6? Seems like 9.6 is the gold standard, but you have three different sizes. Actually, five different sizes if you include the Rado and Radito. Yeah. Um, I'm sure other people, yeah, other people have got to be making some other sizes of boards. But are they? Like, but no, you like, you've been, you've been doing more than the gold standard for years now. I think, you know, I, when I explain that to people as a rep for your, for the, for Hala, 
I explain the, the, the versatility of paddling styles, paddler sizes, different types of rivers. There are purists out there that say if you're a bigger person, you need a bigger board. If you're a smaller person, you need a smaller board. But the reality is that, no, what works for you is what works. That's what's, a big guy on a small board or whatever. That's what's also appealed to me about paddleboarding in general is like it wasn't defined. Or at least there weren't definitions that I was subscribing to or even aware of. You know, I'm sure I was doing a lot of stuff wrong. I can probably list some stuff that I was doing wrong. But um, it was it was a place for me to just go and figure it out, have fun, express whatever desire to swim and or bounce off rocks I had that day, and uh, <laughs> and just and just really get into it and and not and be free from some someone prescribing a solution to me for better or worse. Because sometimes this good, there's a lot of there's good answers to, <laughs> to things. <laughs> You but, you have a, a really unique style in paddling. And I think style, anybody who's listened to my podcast uh, certainly knows Hala. And anybody who's listened to my podcast certainly knows that I, I focus on style when running down a river. Uh, don't let purists dictate how you paddle. Uh, you paddle, as I describe to people, as the as uh, the drunk warrior. <laughs> you have a high brace, low brace. The paddle is everywhere. Your stance is everywhere, like... Neutral stance, offset stance, pivoting, moving around. Just your your body is moving so much. Other people are a so lot more quiet. Much, I've got a quiet, quiet paddling style, but I just don't use it that often. It's more fun to play and, <laughs> and like jib and you know mess with. Like I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to slow it down or mellow it out. I'm trying to find the zipper and just sort of play with the water. Play with the water. Find out what works for you. And uh, my buddy Connell Herps, uh-huh. Australian paddler who I've been to Chile with and uh, to to Europe with and to the John Day in Oregon with, she's all about like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about anything other than just having fun. And, you know, I'm going to be safe with it. She'll flip the board upside down and be on the top. I talk about Connell's style. I talk about your style. I talk about Yaku and, and Kami's. Everybody has their different way of running down a river. Embrace that. Run the river that you need. Be on your knees. Stand. Do downward dog. Whatever. The the paddleboard is a canvas for self-expression. So, thank you, Peter, for building a canvas that people can express oh, themselves sure. with. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was funny. We had a uh, express your sup was like a pun that we, we did it first. And uh, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, we moved away from it. Um but uh, express yourself. Do, 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 do. It's not what you're doing. Wait, what is it? Oh, perfect. This is what you I've been it? waiting for. Peter's a musician who will improvise and 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 rap and sing. <laughs> Let's go. You want to grab your what, harmonica? Do you it's want- not what you do. No, it's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing, what you're doing, that you look like you're doing. <laughs> That's it. Express yourself. <laughs> Let's get the harmonica going. Harmonica. Look at this case. You've just opened a, a pelican <laughs> case. One, two, three. How many harmonicas are in there? Oh, you know, like 10 or 12. Oh, yeah. I have 18 paddle boards and <laughs> 10 or 12 harmonicas. <laughs> <laughs> jamming jamming yeah my band was called missed the boat where's this band now uh i stopped playing i played for seven years with them and then um 
you know, we were talking about growing a team. It's funny. I, I really started hiring when I was just working all the time. I was like on the road and just working all the time. And then uh, I was going to have a kid, you know, so I was like, I, I need to figure out how to not be gone working all the time. Um, started hiring. Um, but in the band, then I was playing with the band and doing a lot of uh, traveling for Hala as well. That sort of started to become a little bit stretching, but a lot of times it worked well together because we got play a river fest and then I'd be at the river fest, you know, it was really fun to get out on the road. And if I hadn't been in the band, I don't think I would have been exposed to as much of the river community in further field than steamboat, which was an inspiration to, you know, try different white water, try different crafts and eventually. (laughs) Uh, You're a musician, you're a father, you're an athlete, you're a business owner. Uh, we've talked a, a little bit about the the history of Hala and your personal characteristic and your relationship, obviously, with your family. Really, it just living in Steamboat, it just it's, it's a really positive vibe. But you're also an expert in, now in the industry of paddle sports. What can you tell my audience about the paddle sport industry that they might not know? You know, with COVID, you know, everybody wants to be outside now, and you know, there's inventory issues. There's you know, the rising inflation, like what is the paddle sport industry like right now? Um, it's just a bunch of people trying to keep up and do their best. It's really like anywhere else, you know, um, the unique thing about being in the paddle sport industry and dealing with all the different companies we deal with on a variety of levels for the business. Um, so often, not in every case, but a lot of the companies that you make the gear that you really like, they're just a bunch of people just hustling, doing their best to make it work. Um, because the, the industry is not that big. There's just, not a ton of volume, um, but it's growing and people are turning into more and more paddle enthusiasts and learning how to do it better, et cetera. But um, not a big industry. And there's a lot of just passionate people behind the scenes trying to uh, give you, give people the toys to go have as much fun as possible. So it's, it's fun. Um, you know, some of the people I'm com- competitors with, we got, you know, they're good friends too. You, Cause you see them all the time, especially back in the day when we were all on the road all the time. I often tell people that the 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 outdoor industry, regardless of paddle sports, ninety five percent is manufactured overseas. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And when people say, "Why can't it be a U.S. manufactured?" You know, I see Colorado on your on your boards uh, designed in Steamboat, but can a drop stitch paddleboard be made in Colorado? Yeah, for sure. Um, but should it? Well, the the textiles, the, you know, the fabrics we use aren't being manufactured in the United States. There's not that I know of at least anyone manufacturing these textiles in the United States. So even if you're assembling them here, you're still getting them from overseas or you could start a raw materials factory here, but you're for like anything can be done, but like Merc, it started with mercantilism and, <laughs> and that shit scaled and the world as we know it, it works as well or, or not well as it does because of, global trade like the people we work with over there are people that i know and trust and have met with and you know i know that i've met their families and Mm -hmm. they're they're humans that are partners in in business providing awesome toys for us we have stuff we have components on our board from canada united states china of course korea japan um all of it's assembled in china or are some are paddles or in some are paddle blades are made in Denver and assembled in Denver. 
but brought with other sh- like shafts from other locations. The logistics of that, like just the idea of 10 plus years ago, you're like, I want to make a paddleboard and a, and a double bladed paddle. Like the logistics of, of, of running, uh, a, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by it. How, how can a person even consider this if they wanted to do it on their own? It, I don't know you could, what the incentive would be even. That, that's a good question, um, the incentive. Because you have to have, a, like in hard goods, you have to have a lot of money and a big channel to, to actually become profitable. Um, we're still working on, still working on that. Um, how do you do it? You just take one step at a time. Um, <laughs> and you try to verify your step, but you probably didn't verify it right. And you're going to get burned the first four times or so. It's a lot of trial by fire because not every one you're dealing with is exactly thinking of you in the same way you're thinking of the the deal. <laughs> they don't always have your best interest in mind. If you find people that you can align with that do, then you can have a fruitful functioning manufacturing partner. And uh, I was able to find that, but almost almost went broke in the process of just finding that. Can I ask you, and I ask every uh, paddle enthusiast who's on this episode, their predictions for the future. Here's obviously a, a unique perspective. What is the future of river paddleboarding? I think it'll continue to evolve and become a more viable craft for more people. Um, it's especially in the mellower rivers. I think more and more people are recognizing ways to go out and have fun on those. Um, yeah, paddleboarding the rivers is something that a lot of people find a passion for. And it seems it's like somewhere between an inflatable kayak and a hard shell kayak. And I think it's I think it's going to continue to expand and continue to become appealing and a versatile way for you know, an accessory for people who love the river, but how big is the river paddling and community going to be? It's growing, but it's never going to be that big. So it'd just be a bunch of fun people trying to have as much fun as possible. <laughs> Holla. Holla. <laughs> right. I don't know that. Yeah. Hard, hard, hard saying, not knowing. Hard saying, not knowing, and and you just have to go with the flow. Where does it go? It's like getting on the Colorado for the first time in a wooden boat and saying, "Where does this thing end?" Golly, can you imagine? Yeah, with so the cool. PAL expedition is what I'm referring to. All right, yeah, figures. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take much more of your time, Peter. Thank you so much. Uh, and I, just, I do want to say this. So I drive uh, uh, your van, basically your name on it, uh, Steamboat's name on it. Uh, pictures that I've taken are wrapped on it. Again, going back to like the how how popular Colorado is. Like I've had people, n- numerous people, wait by the van for me. Ha! Huh. Not to talk about paddleboards all the time. Sometimes a lot of the times, like what is that? Is people run rivers on a paddleboard? But mostly, mostly, if someone's waiting for me at the van, I'll, I've I've already wagered what they're going to say. And sure enough. Typically, they do it. Do you know my buddy Frank or do you know my cousin Susie ha. who lives in Steamboat? No way. <laughs> and the, the van has Colorado license plates, has Steamboat. And I'm like, man, I've been to Steamboat three times in my life. <laughs> I don't know your cousin. That's classic. <laughs> and they're always disappointed. They're like, oh. Oh, bummer. I can't believe I waited here for three hours. <laughs> the, the, the cultural revel- relevance of this ski mountain town um, is, is growing now with, as a river town too. So, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for your, your innovation, uh, your sacrifices, your energy, your enthusiasm, the music that you present for people who just are looking for something new and something adventurous and something exciting. You are not a barefoot paddler. You're a river paddler. Right. That means a whole lot. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, and thanks for everything you do to progress the sport. It's cool. You show people what can be done. Thank you, sir. Right on. Aha. Uh-huh.